0: Folks, Welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi-Ojimbo fan podcast. This is episode 30, and I am your host, Ed Moore. Today we're going to talk about the Dragon Bellow Conspiracy Part 6, entitled Stormcloud's Part, and Part 7, entitled The Fate of the Blind Swords Pig, as hopefully both appeared in Usagi-Ojimbo Volume 1, Issue 18, dated October 1989 from Fantagraphics. Now this is a spoiler podcast, so from here on out keep that in mind. Our dramatic personae includes Miyamoto Usagi, Lord Noriyuki, Tomoyame, Genosuke, Zato Ino and Spot, and Lord Hebi. Now the first story, Storm Clouds Part Chapter 6 of the Dragon Bellow Conspiracy, opens at the white Heron Castle, home of the Gaishu clan, of which Lord Noriyuki and Tomoe Ame are members, and apparently, due to what has transpired in the previous chapters of the Dragon Bello Conspiracy, Usage is an honorary member as well. So we see that the three are talking basically lord noriyuki is offering usagi uh, an actual retainer's position in his entourage but usagi indicates that his true lord has gone and he doesn't feel that it's appropriate to serve anyone other than lord mafune uh, his original lord but Uh, not not to fret because he is more than happy to accept the friendship offer, the unofficial retainer's uh, position, shall we say, to the Gaishu clan. And as they're talking, they realize that Genosuke is not there, but he also is going to be offered by Lord Noriyuki the same honor. With that thought in mind, Genosuke has apparently... Taken the better part of Valor and left uh, secretly. Nobody knew he was leaving. Kind of putting off Usagi a little bit, but as um, Lord Noruyuki wants to go after him to bring him back, you know, to offer him this, Usagi kind of holds him, pulls him short, and says, No, no, that's okay. I don't think that you know being an official retainer is something that Genosuke really was after. Not to insult anyone, but you know it just doesn't fit with what I know of his personality. And actually, Tomoe Ame agrees, uh, saying that he's a superb uh, that Genosuke is a superb swordsman, but quite independent and eccentric. So they uh, they being Lord Noriyuki, Tomoe Ame, and Usagi toast. farewell of uh, Genosuke and actually the departure of Usagi with some sake. We see several panels of the White Heron castle. Usagi leaving the castle bidding adieu to Tomoe Ame, walking through the nearby village, walking through nearby farmlands out into the open uh, countryside Uh, happily moving along in his journey, taking note of of different things, birds singing, the land itself. He comes to a small stream and as he's crossing the stream he realizes a little bit too late that one of the stones that he was stepping on to cross was in fact alive, uh, being a turtle. And the next panel we see that he is wringing himself out. So apparently the turtle was surprised enough that uh, Usagi lost his footing and fell in. And as he starts to continue on his journey, we see that Genosuke yells at him from across the stream, asks him to hold up, and says that he'll be more than happy to help Usage by lightening his pack because he's rather hungry. Usagi, in turn, it looks to me like gives him his entire pack, which Genosuke happily devours to where nothing is left. Now we see several panels... Of the the two Ronin, both alike, uh, both very dissimilar, talking about those aspects that make them alike and make them similar. Genosuke is explaining why he uh, did not want to stay at the White Heron Castle longer than he had, knowing that the offer of retainership was coming and, and not wanting to turn it down, but not wanting to have to be put in a position to turn it down either. He just left, preferring the open roads and the freedom he has as a ronin. A little bit of of levity here. Uh, He says that it's good that he left because now it will be easier for him to return and call upon Tomoe perhaps, which Usagi kind of takes exception to a little bit, we see. And that he he Genosuke picks a a patch of flowers and holds them up and asks Usagi if replacing the section of his horn that's missing with the flowers would make him more attractive. Of course, Usagi says, well, there's not really anything we can do there anyways. Nothing will make you more attractive. So as they prepare to part ways, finally, Genosuke asks Usagi for uh, some money because he says he's broke. Turns out that he did not claim the bounty, Genosuke did not, on Zato And Genosuke tells Usagi that no, he didn't, because actually he saved me. I didn't do anything to him. They part company, go on their way, and as Usagi is walking off in the distance in his direction, Genosuke is reflecting that... um, he does owe Zato Inu his life and he did settle the debt by apparently helping Zato Inu to not die so as he walks away he's laughing because he hasn't told anybody that it's his secret so we find out apparently that Zato is alive next story chapter 7 the fate of the blind swords pig so this is Zato's story after the assault on the uh, the fortress here in the Dragon Bellow conspiracy. So we see Zato barely barely limping along. Very broken and battered and he's coughing and coughing up blood and finally he just collapses. Spot's still here. Spot wants to, to take care of him. Sees a nearby stream, runs down to it. Uh, sucks up a mouthful of water. Goes back to Zato and splashes the water on his face. Spits it out on him to wake him up. And as Zato is is slightly rousing from having collapsed, we see a couple farmers uh, come upon Zato and Spot. Spot is very protective until the female coaxes him down, and the female Fujiko and the gentleman with her, maybe her husband, I'm not so sure that it is, Hachi, I believe is his name, Fujiko and Hachi load the unconscious Zato onto their cart as they're traveling back home. And the entire way he's mumbling, showing that he's delirious, they traverse a mountain pass. And then as they're heading back down, uh, the pass opens into the quote-unquote hidden valley that is where the village is located. Regular farming uh, sustenance hand-to-mouth kind of village. Nothing big and fancy, nothing special, nothing like that. So they go back to the village with supplies that they have had to go get, things periodically this village is so isolated that they have to go out and get those things that they cannot produce themselves that they need. So they're returning after one of those runs and found Zato and bring him back, nursing back to health. We see that he is, is rousing finally with Spot here. Uh, he is in the home of Fujiko. And she's telling him you know, what has transpired in the handful of days since last he may remember. And he's Zatu finds himself wondering about whether or not Genosuke helped him. He can't quite remember. It's kind of fuzzy. And as he thinks about it, he realizes, nah, he, he would never have helped me. So now he is trying to leave, but he is still just too weak. And Fujiko offers him some food, which he very readily inhales. And in the midst of eating, uh, Hachi runs in exclaiming that the bandits are there. And so we see Fujiko and Zatu run outside, and there's a panel of horse mounted bandits running amok in the village knocking down, kicking, stabbing, beating the village people. Apparently what the bandits do is they come periodically and they take the supplies that the village has put back, ultimately leaving leaving the village with just enough to survive, which in literature is kind of typical of the way the bandits work. They'll suck something just dry enough to keep it subservient, but able to provide for the bandits as they come back again, and again, and again, so on. Zatu runs to try to do something, try to stop them, but he's still just too weak. He's easily uh, defeated by one of the mounted bandits. Seeing this, Spot jumps up and attacks the bandit, ultimately biting one of the ears off of the bandit as the supplies have been gathered and not wishing to force the issue too much, the rest of the bandits leave, calling off the one that was attacked by Zato and Spot. Zato goes back inside, gathers himself, gathers his clothes, goes and, and is just wandering around the village, seeing what there is. And he, uh, again, is met by Fujiko. Uh, she has come out of the field to see how he is doing and there's a an exchange here about what Zato wants, who Zato is, what Fujiko represents, what she represents to him. He indicates that he, he can't stay, he's just a wanderer, and Fujiko inquires, must you just pass through, you know. Because she's asking that, because she has this apparent affection for Zato, which can only be from having nursed him back to health. I mean, he hasn't done anything really for her to get to know him, other than perhaps stepping up against the bandit. But that could be to help himself rather than the village. But she has this affection, so it, it makes me wonder if the man that she went on the supply run with, Hachi, is uh, related to her or is just another villager I'm I'm not sure that it's ever really gone into here. Uh, Fujiko does have her own home she indicates that that is where Ino is, uh, Zato, when when he wakes up but in that whole series of panels it's just she and he Uh, Hachi comes running in from outside so Not sure, but uh, kind of a a curiosity to me that she would have developed this affection for him were she taken by another man. We cut to the bandits in their lair as they're uh, organizing and going over their booty. And the bandit that lost his ear to Spot realizes that he has seen Zato somewhere. And then it dawns on him that it's Zato, you know, outlaw has a wanted poster and, of course, has a reward. So he talks the other bandits into going to the village and not only getting Zato, but really roughing up the village because apparently the village knew that Zato Ino was wanted and is waiting to turn him over so that the village itself can get the reward. The bandits return. Uh, This time Zato is a little bit better health He meets them outside with his uh, cane in hand, closed. A little bit of back-and-forth banter between Zato Ino and the bandits. The bandits attack. Zato immediately attacks back. In seeing that Zato alone is holding off, or at the very least attacking, this group of bandits and initially we see four seven bandits mounted on horseback. The villagers uh, are emboldened by that. Emboldened? Is that a word? I'm not sure. But they decide that they in turn are going to defend their place led by Fujiko's call to um, gather arms. So the villagers, the peasants attack the bandits far outnumbering them. If they had done this long ago, they would have won. But between the villagers and Zatu, the bandits, for the most part, are dispatched. The bandit, we'll call him the one-eared bandit, sees that Fujiko is is really helping rally the villagers, so he breaks off to attack her directly. When he does, he is attacked once again by Spot who is drawn in such a way that he is rather large and muscular i don't know the, the the togage typically have been drawn not like this so i don't know what has been occurring in these stories to spot other than just perhaps he was drawn to show that he was big and bad in this particular story but he attacks this bandit the bandit defends himself in the process spot kills the bandit but in Uh, in the attack, was mortally injured. Dies in Zato's arms. Zato cryingly indicates, Oh, Spot, you've left me alone again. So Zato buries Spot. The only other person here is Fujiko, and she is uh, talking to Zato. Basically, it seems that Zato has decided... As, as he indicates here, to give up my life of wandering, to give up my sword, to finally settle down to a tranquil life, it's always been my dream. So, because he says that, I, I assume at the end of the story, we see no other indication really, that he will be staying in this little village, which is what he has wanted to do. We know from stories previously that that's all he's looking for. He's looking to be left alone. We have an epilogue here that occurs several weeks later at the White Herring Castle, home of the Gaishu clan. Lord Noriyuki is receiving an audience from Lord Hebi, who has come to make sure that things after the Dragon Bellow conspiracy are to, at the very least, the benefit of Hebe's Lord Hikiji. Because the Shinjin, not the Shinjin, because the Niko Ninja clan were involved, Lord Hebe is there to ensure that there is no connection made between his Lord Hikiji and the Niko Ninja forces that were so inter- in instrumental in the uh, battle, in winning winning the, the battle. So Lord Noriyuki understands what Hebe is asking. And we we have an exchange here, where Hebi says, "For once, we worked for the same end, Geishu Lord," and Lord Noriuki responds, "No, the Geishu clan worked for the good of the country, Lord Hikiji for his own ends." Then the final panel here is a three-quarter page panel of Hebi and Noriuki looking up at the, not threateningly clouded but. Wistfully, playfully clouded sky, and how the storm has passed, but Noriyuki indicates that yes, I just hope there's not a bigger one on the horizon. So, perhaps a, a bit of foreboding there about uh, what Mr. Sakai's plans are later on in the story. Do have a little bit of feedback here um, from Steve, and he poses an interesting question that I'll, I'll. Get to uh, he and he uh, writes another great podcast, which, like always, I really enjoyed. well, thank you, Steve. Appreciate that, sir. Uh, just out of curiosity, he asks, how closely are you able to monitor these podcasts? Are you able to see how many times the podcasts are played or downloaded, or how many page visits you receive? I was just wondering, since there never seems to be much visible feedback here on the reader feed page or to the links posted on the Dojo Facebook page, anyways. I hope there is enough of an audience to keep you doing these for a long, long time because there is no shortage of stories for you to do. Uh, Steve, I I do understand and and mirror uh, your your curiosity about that. Yes, uh, there is enough downloads, enough interaction, interplay with uh, listeners to satisfy myself. Honestly, though, I don't do this for... The, the, re- the reason that I, I podcast is the, the act of creating something and putting it out there. That's what I enjoy. And as long as I enjoy doing that, that is what I will do. Uh, to the extent that Usagi is one of six podcasts that I currently am voicing, whether solo or with co-hosts. So I enjoy podcasting very much. I enjoy reading comic books. The two just have come together in this particular show in discussing Usagi, and yes, I'll be at this until I catch up, which will be another uh, hundred plus shows easily. So, for the foreseeable future, there's plenty of material for me to do. All right, guys. Anybody else wants to uh, throw anything out there as far as the show or podcasting or anything like that? Several ways you can do it. Uh, the Rona Rabbits on Google Plus. The Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page is where I post notices on Facebook about the newest podcasts as they come out, as Steve alluded to. Well, no, he didn't allude to. As Steve mentioned in his feedback here. The readerfeed.com, also Steve mentioned, is the website where Usagi can be found. It's his home on the internet, as it were. And the email is UsagiPodcast at gmail.com if you want to communicate that way. So, there we go, guys. Thanks a lot. We will see you again next week for, let's see, usagi Jimbo 19, which will contain the story Frost and Fire. Until next time, thanks a lot for listening, guys. Talk to you then. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal Production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 Unported License.